0: So Psalm 46, and it, it was wonderful to, to catch up with my brothers up at, uh, up in Sydney. We had a, a, a wonderful week with the General Assembly and, and Mark was working very hard, I've got to tell you. He was on his feet pretty much in, in every sitting of the Assembly, uh, arguing for, for good things, I think. And uh, so I was, I was pleased, uh, he, 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 given how hard he was working during the week, pleased to give him a, a little bit of a, a break today, and a great joy for me to bring God's word to you today from Psalm 46. I was watching the news the other day, and it was the uh, SBS News, and they had a little segment on these people in America, they call them Hurricane Hunters. Have you heard of them? <laughs> hurricane Hunters. So when, it, when a hurricane comes, and we call them cyclones here, of course, uh, what do most of us do? Well, we, we go in the other direction, correct? Well, the, the hurricane hunters go towards the hurricanes, and uh, some of them go to, to get... Uh, they, they like to film them with their phones and put them up on YouTube. But the United States Air Force has a squadron of aircraft that actually fly into the hurricanes to collect data and to collect wind speed and other, other information which they use to predict the, the, the track of the cyclone and how severe it's going to be. And so while most people are heading away from hurricanes, there are certain people who fly towards them and even into them. Well, I think as a church we can see that there is a hurricane coming, isn't there? And uh, perhaps we're, we're feeling it already. And it's it's coming in, in a number of ways. and. At assembly, again, we we heard from our our brethren in Victoria about these uh, anti-conversion laws. You've probably heard of them. So in Victoria, there are now so-called anti-conversion laws which make it illegal for people to try to persuade those who who may be uh, caught up in the LGBT lifestyle or with gender ideology, It's now illegal in Victoria for people to try to persuade them away from that, including by offering prayer, including by opening God's word and and, and bringing the counsel of God's word to people. And this, of course, is is going to affect all Christians in Victoria and our churches are going to be especially affected. It's going to have a, a very chilling effect on the ministry of our churches, and there are severe fines. There are they, they threaten $200,000 fines for people who who uh, may offer to pray with someone, to if if they even if they want prayer, even if they want help, $200,000 fines or 10 years in prison. And so, more and more, we're seeing these laws, aren't we, arising in our nation that make it more and more difficult for Christians to to bring the gospel of life to those in our community who most need it. But it's not just uh, the, the world, is it? The Bible also talks about spiritual opposition. The Bible also tells us about a devil who is very crafty, very cunning, and his main weapons against God's people are what? Lies and deceit. And the devil and what Paul talks about as the, the authorities and powers, there is there is a spiritual realm and a very powerful spiritual realm arrayed against Christians, arrayed against God's people. And so not only do we have the opposition of the world, and we're seeing this most acutely with some of these new laws appearing, but we also have the devil and the demonic realm arrayed against God's people fighting against God's people using lies and deceit and temptations and we all feel that don't we and in fact if if, if we don't if we're not aware of, of spiritual opposition we're in a very dangerous place indeed we need to be aware that there is a spiritual battle going on and we are in the midst of that all the time but the in this hurricane, not only do we have the opposition of the world and not only do we have the opposition of the devil and the demonic realm, what else? What other opposition do we face? Well, the opposition within our own hearts, the, the old habits of sin, the old bias against God and his ways. And every Christian, in fact, the the longer we go on in the Christian life, the more acutely aware we are of that, aren't we? Of our own weaknesses, our own inbuilt uh, opposition to the ways of God. We thank God for freeing us from sin and from the power of sin. But it's not until we're in heaven that we're going to be completely free of that. And every Christian... Is aware of that inward battle as well. Brothers and sisters, how are we going to go as a church? How are we going to go as as individual Christians in the face of this kind of a hurricane? The opposition of the world, the opposition of the devil and the spiritual powers and authorities, and the opposition that lies within us, that lurks within our own hearts and minds. How are we going to stand in the face of this kind of a hurricane? How are we going to push forward with the great commission that our Lord Jesus has given us in the face of this kind of opposition? Well, this is where the the wonderful, beautiful message of Psalm 46 helps us. Abundantly helps us. Look to it with me, please. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamut, a song. And let's remember that Psalm 46 is a song, a beautiful song intended to be sung. And it's full, as songs are, with with beautiful imagery and some very powerful pictures and metaphors that really help us here. If you look across Psalm 46, you'll see it's divided into three parts, verses 1 to 3, and each of these parts in the Hebrew original finish with the Hebrew word selah. That's not here in the New International Version, but if you've got the ESV sitting in front of you, or other translations, you'll see that little word selah. And I'm sure you know that the Hebrew scholars debate over exactly what that word means, but everyone seems to agree it means something like pause and reflect, pause and reflect. And so the psalm is is broken into three neat pieces, each ending with that selah, pause and reflect, the first one at the end of verse 3, the second at the end of verse 7, and the third at the end of verse 8. And so this morning, we're going to see, in the face of a hurricane of opposition, that our Lord God teaches us, first of all, that we must not fear, and we see that in verses 1 to 3. Secondly, that we ought to rejoice, and we see that in verses 4 to 7. And thirdly, that we should be at peace, and we see that in verses 8 to 11. Let's pray. Our Father, we sit at your feet now. Speak to us, we pray, from your word. Bring us to repentance of wrong thinking and wrong behaviour and grow in us a deeper love for Christ, a deeper dependence upon him and faith in him. And we pray in his name. Amen. So, first of all, first of all, in the face of this threefold hurricane of opposition, first of all, Psalm 46 tells us, do not fear. Look there at verses one to three. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Brothers and sisters. In the face of opposition, so often we turn to the wrong kinds of help, don't we? We think we're going to be okay as a church. We're part of the Presbyterian Church. We've got a wonderful heritage. We've got well-trained ministers. We've got some resources behind us. Psalm 46 says, in the face of opposition, go to God. God is our refuge and strength. Charles Spurgeon, commenting on this psalm, says that all other refuges in the face of trouble, all other refuges are refuges of lies. All other strength is weakness. In the face of troubles and trials, we turn to God as our refuge and strength, an ever-present help In times of trouble, ever present, meaning that God is very near to us. In fact, he is closer to us than the troubles themselves. God is to be our refuge and strength. He is near to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, and and hear how this psalm is reasoning with us. It's reasoning with us, isn't it? If God is your refuge, if he is closer to you than the troubles themselves, therefore, if that's true, we will not fear. We will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, what is being pictured here? This idea of the the earth giving way and the mountains falling into the heart of sea the heart of the sea. What's being pictured there? It's that breakdown, isn't it, between the waters and dry land. On the third day, God separated the waters from dry land. He gave a a, a, a firm firm and solid ground for humanity to stand upon and the vegetation and all the other air-breathing animals. And the, 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 the biggest calamity, the greatest calamity that humanity can face is when that barrier between earth and sea collapses and there's no more solid and dry ground to stand upon. So what, what Psalm 46 is, is asking us to imagine is the worst possible catastrophe that humanity can face. When that barrier between earth and sea is shattered and the seas flood the earth. And we saw it, didn't we, in 2003 with the, uh, 2004, I think it was, the Boxing Day tsunami in Indonesia. A terrible catastrophe where the boundary between earth and sea was taken away and two to three hundred thousand people perished in the great floods. And we saw it with Hurricane Katrina. In the city of New Orleans, utterly flooded. We've seen it in our own nation, tragically, in the last year. And so what Psalm 46 is saying is, what's the worst thing that can happen to humanity, that breakdown of earth and sea? Well, even then, even then, we will not fear. We will not be frightened. Because our refuge is God. And he is our strength. And he is near to us, nearer to us than the troubles themselves. If war breaks out with China, we will not fear. If there's another great pandemic that sweeps across our earth, we will not fear. If our government makes foolish and wicked laws, we will not fear. Because we're we're so tempted to fear, aren't we? And what happens when we get frightened? When we get frightened, we get anxious. And when we get anxious, we start to get angry. And too often as Christians, we, we start to get impatient and angry with other people. And often that arises from a place of fear. Instead, we're on the solid ground, aren't we? We're standing with the Lord. We're not frightened. We're not brittle. We're not reactive. Even when disaster strikes our own homes, our own families, though I or someone I love is struck with a terrible disease, I will not fear. Although a family member goes off the rails, and causes great upset. We will not fear. Isn't this, isn't this marvellous? When we know that God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble, we are freed from fear and the terrible consequences of fear. Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We will not fear. Selah. Selah. Think on that. Stop and think on that. But the the brilliant thing about Psalm 46 is that it's it's not just telling us not to fear. It's telling us to positively, what? Rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice. Look, look there at verses 4 to 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, the city of God, Jerusalem, is a picture of God's people. It's a picture of the church, isn't it? And in the, in the, the days of the Old Testament, a city that had a stream of water was a secure city. It was a city that was secure against drought. It was a city that was secure against besieging armies. Cities that had streams of water, rivers of water, were safe and secure from those kinds of dangers. And Psalm 46 says, people of God, there is a river. There is a river whose streams make glad. I love that. They make us glad, make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And what is this river? God is within her, says verse 5. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. This is saying that the church is like a city through which, The presence of God flows like a refreshing river and stream, making God's people glad. So not only are we not frightened in the face of all these dangers, in fact, we rejoice. We're happy because God is present with us. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But God lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. I was wondering if anyone listens to John Anderson's Conversations. It's a, quite, a, quite a well-known podcast. John Anderson, the former Deputy Prime Minister, he puts out a pretty much a weekly podcast where he interviews various uh, gifted and knowledgeable people across the world and he pretty much asks the same kind of questions to everybody, and the, the interview almost always goes in the same kind of direction. But I, I, I still enjoy his interviews. And one of, the, one of the ones I particularly enjoyed was just a couple of weeks ago with Dr Andrew Browning. not sure if anyone heard John Anderson's interview with Dr Andrew Browning, who was a, a medical doctor and a missionary in Africa who works in some of the very uh, harshest and most dangerous places in Africa, Malawi, Sierra Leone, Chad, Congo, Tanzania, and other places. And so here is this, this medical doctor who brings uh, life-saving care, particularly to women who have been injured through, through um, problematic pregnancies, and he has helped to restore the life of thousands of women. And John Anderson said, said to him, how do you do it? How do you keep going? You could be in the leafy suburbs of Melbourne, enjoying Eggs Benedict, you know, on a Saturday morning and, and your cafe latte. And, and there you are out in Africa. There's, you know, he doesn't have nice air-conditioned hospitals. And he's living in a harsh and hot and dangerous place. How do you do it, said John Anderson. And this is what Dr Browning said. He said, we're told to love. We can't help but love when you've committed your life to Christ. And this is the bit that got me. And know his forgiveness and his refreshing spirit. I love that. I keep going. I keep serving the Lord in these harsh places. And we're always under the threat of uh, armed men who want to harm us, and we don't have lovely cafes to go to on a Saturday morning, I keep going because the Lord refreshes me. His refreshing spirit keeps me going. And isn't that what Psalm 46 is saying? Not only are we not frightened in the face of the hurricane of opposition, we're happy. And why are we happy? Because that's that stream of living water flowing through the church. And I can see it in my mind's eye, flowing through this church, this body of people. And through the hearts of each of you. What did our Lord Jesus say? In John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, he stood up and cried out with a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty... Now, that that catches my attention. Who's thirsty? I'm thirsty. (laughs) I'm thirsty for real peace, happiness, joy. I'm thirsty. And he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Come to Christ and drink. Whoever believes in me, he said, as the scriptures said, rivers, not just a river, but rivers of living water will flow from them, flow up in them and through them. And John comments, by this he was talking about what? The Spirit, who his people were to later receive. If you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sin and you believe in Jesus Christ and you've taken your stand on him, then his spirit is within you, that river of living water. So let's not just not fear, but let's rejoice. And didn't Jesus say that if you are insulted, persecuted, and people say false things about you, what did he say? You are blessed, he said. You're you're blessed. He said, if you are persecuted, insulted, people say false things about you on account of him, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So may the world never see Christians buckling at the knees and becoming brittle and impatient and angry and cross when the world persecutes us, insults us, says false things about us, we respond with joy. Let let the world see that joy. What a powerful witness that is when the joy of Christ wells up and flows up through us. Psalm 46 says one more thing to say to us in the face of this hurricane. Let's look at verses 8 to 11. We've seen that we should not fear. We've seen that we should rejoice. And finally, it teaches us to be at peace. Come and see what the Lord has done. And here, the, the sons of Korah who wrote this psalm, um, we, we can picture them, can't we? They're, they're saying, Come on, ca- come and see, come and see what the Lord has done. But the things they want us to see are very severe things. The desolations he has brought upon the earth. And what's that making us think of? Come and see the flood. Where God flooded the earth and destroyed all of humanity save for Noah and his family. Come and see the plagues on Egypt, where God destroyed the nation of Egypt Egypt, which had enslaved the people of God. Come and see the terrible destruction of Jerusalem and the exile of God's people to Babylon. Come and see the desolations that God has brought on the earth. Now, why why are we being called to review these catastrophes and desolations? Verse 9 tells us, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Now, what's going on here? What's being said here? What Psalm 46 is reminding us of is that although the world might stand up and array itself against God and shake, shake its fist against God, God easily destroys his enemies. Easily. He floods the earth. He destroys Egypt with ease, just with a word and his own rebellious people in Jerusalem, he easily destroyed the city and exiled the people. We we, we might picture people standing up to God with their swords and their spears and their shields and their chariots, and God says, just a word, and it is all brought to nothing. I think of the the mighty Russian army (laughs) on the 23rd of February last year with its thousands of tanks, its tens of thousands of troops. And within weeks, it became like a junkyard, didn't it? Like a junkyard of destroyed tanks and graveyards of dead people. And we see, even a mighty earthly army, we see how easily it can be destroyed. How much more easily does God defeat his enemies and those who stand against him? And so what what, what Psalm 46 is doing here, it's saying as we face this hurricane of opposition and a world that hates God and the devil and the demonic realm and our own sin lurking within, remember, How easily God defeats his enemies. Therefore, verse 10, and this is perhaps arguably the the climax of the psalm. Therefore, God says, be still, be still, and know that I am God. And be still could could also be translated, stop fighting. Stop fighting. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Doesn't that give you a thrill? Because isn't isn't that the main thing we're concerned about? If we're Christians, isn't that the thing that's really burning within our hearts, not 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 us and our well being and our welfare, but the glory of God and the name of God, the reputation of Christ. That's, that's what really should concern us. And God says, be still. Don't worry. Stop fighting. And, and this, isn't this addressed to two audiences? Don't you think it is? I think this is addressed first to those who stand against God. <laughs> Stop fighting me. Why are you fighting me? You cannot win. At the end of time, I will stand exalted. My name will be honoured. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And so God says to his enemies, Stop fighting me. But he's also saying to you and me, isn't he? Because when we are, you know, when, when, the, when the opposition comes and we're getting frightened and fearful and anxious, what's going on? Isn't there something of a war going on in our own hearts? And it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like a battle raging in our hearts. And it keeps us awake at night. And it hinders us from, from, from helping and loving others. It tends to make us self-focused. And so God says to those of us in the face of opposition... Is there a turmoil? Is there an inner war? Is there a battle going on within you? Be still. Be still. Stop fighting. God has got it in hand. He's got it in hand. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, Selah. Ports. And think on that. I'll finish with uh with with, with one point, and it is if you'll uh, allow me to address the young people in particular. It's so important that you get this in your bones now. Now, it's so much, it's so important to be prepared before the battle comes. There's a sense in in which, humanly speaking, there's a sense in which if you haven't learned these lessons, when the conflict comes, and it, it is already here, but I can assure you it's only going to get more severe, that's why I'm addressing our young people, because if, if my generation, if we think we're, we're have is having some struggles here, I think we can multiply that by five or ten for our young people as you enter into adulthood, into the workplace and so on. And then it's going to be too late. When the hurricane comes, it'll be knocked over. Now... Now is the time to get these lessons into your mind and from the mind into the heart so that when the hurricane comes, you're ready. You are spiritually ready. You know you've got nothing to fear. And I wish that I'd learned at 20 to fear God and not man. I wish I'd learned that. And how crippled we are, how crippled, when we are fearing human, human beings and the world. So, so learn now to fear God. He's the one who holds your soul in his hands. The world can throw its all at you. It can't, it can't touch your soul. And so learn now to fear God. And when I say, when the Bible talks about fearing the Lord... It's not just about cowering before him, although he is one that we should cower before, (laughs) but it's also to give him great reverence and honour and love. We fall at the feet of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We revere him above all things and far above ourselves learn that now learn that now and when the hurricane comes not only will you stand but you will be you'll stand with joy and the world will see it and Christ will be glorified let's pray Yes, Lord Jesus, we, we thank you. Thank you that, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you are our rock. We stand upon you as our sure and safe place. And You gave your lifeblood, that our sins could be forgiven. You rose from the grave so that we could have everlasting life in you. And we pray, help us, Lord Jesus, to face the trials and dangers of this world with the kind of of, of joyful peace and certainty that we read here in Psalm 46. And we pray, please prepare our, our children and our young people for whatever trials are to come. For your glory. Amen.